Welcome to episode 150 of the Muck Podcast, a member of the Odd Pods Media Network. Listen in as we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Hadamio. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Hillary! Hey! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what a week. What a week. Girl. Woo. Tina gets here. We record very early because we yeah. liked our whole day to be free. Yes. And uh, she got here at 7.30. It's now 10 after 8. And we have been just gossiping <gasps> and bullshitting for 30 minutes. That should be recorded. That should be. <laughs> oh, you missed a sesh. You missed a sesh, yeah. folks. <laughs> so I have so many things just kind of to bring up. But, oh, please, um, because my brain is so fried that... Do you want to start national or do you want to start local? Start national. Nancy Pelosi's out. Ooh. Fucking incredible. Oh my I'm, God. I, I was almost, shocked, but also like, thank God. I almost texted you and I was like, I'll save it for the podcast. I'm stepping down. <laughs> All right, Nancy, step on out of but here. But did you see the shade that she threw? No. She was like, I've really enjoyed uh, working with three presidents. It was four because like Donald oh, Trump. Oh, Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, look at you, Don't make me lady. do math, Nancy. Look at you, lady. God, so I thought you that know was what? funny. Uh, but people, it's about time. Yeah. You know, well, I guess when your husband gets a hammer to his head, it's time to step it's out. Time. You might be a target. I mean, my God, which I think is the only reason she left because her family's in physical fucking danger, in danger, which they probably always have been. But yeah. like, this is crazy. No, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's time. I hope that they, I hope that it's they time start. For all these people. When I saw the other day, like a, a, a Republican elected at, at like 89 years old. Mm-hmm. 89. No, please. Why are you people electing an 89 year old? Ridiculous. Why is an 89 year old running? Fucking idiot. Can you imagine they're knocking door to door? Like they're not, there's no, no way. Because once you're elected, it's all name recognition at that point. All yeah. you have to do is get that first win. Yeah. And if you are, if you can stay under the radar and s- uh, smooth sail through all that, you're fucking elected over and over and over yeah. again. Term limits, people. Oh, term, term limits are limits. very important. Anyway, so bye, Nancy. Thanks for all bye. your work. I don't know. I know she did a lot. People were very uh, sad posting stuff everywhere. And I was like, all right. I mean, why are they sad? I don't know. This is the, this is. Because she's sassy, I guess, because you like a little sass in your politics. I just want her to recognize like failures of the Democratic Party yeah. and fix them. I don't want her, I don't know, stumping for a pro-life fucking Democrat a year ago. Yeah, I was just I was just thinking that. To win in Texas? Instead of Cisneros? Yeah. We I mean, still remember, Nancy. Yeah, we remember. And, that, and believe me, she was doing that the entire time. Oh, my God. Also, is, here's, here's something, here's something about her, though, that yeah. I saw, you know, she was a, a housewife for, for most of her life, I guess. And she ran for office for the first time at 47 years old, which I thought was pretty fucking cool. That is cool. Yeah. I, I Listen. Like, she raised her kids and she's like, you know what? I want to run for office. No, I, I love th- that. Listen, I love that. That's great. But yeah. I feel like people, like, she, it's too much. But she's, she's been there 40 years. Too like much. 40, she's been elected for 40 years. Oh, my God. <laughs> Go home. <laughs> How is she not tired? I don't, I don't know. It's so crazy. It's crazy. But it's such a, again, you know, God, we got to get that guy on, the, on here who wrote that book. It's that psychological thing. We yeah. always talk about it with voters, with electeds. It's like there's something else going on that's motivating this person. And that's how you manipulate voters too. What? How can we motivate them to vote for us or not vote for the other guy? That's the name of the fucking game. It's manipulation. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, you know, there's Nancy. I also wanted to say, so, you know, all right, listen, I have something to say. Okay. At our, on our last podcast and a couple other ones, uh, 
I was calling, I was saying some pretty harsh things about people at the Broward Democratic Party. I'm not apologizing for them because it really was, I was angry. And like we had talked about maybe we should take some of this shit out. And I was like, no, because this is a direct reaction to like, it's a real reaction to how I was feeling in the moment. So in an effort to like understand what was going on and how, how organizations are going in Broward after the election, like hearing what they have to say, Monday night, I went to the Broward Young Democrats meeting run by Nancy Fry, our friend and amazing woman. And they did this whole SWOT analysis where uh, they broke up into four teams and one team was working on what, just on their organization to reflect on their organization, their strengths, their weaknesses during the cycle, you know, uh, threats, or I think the other one was like achievements, maybe, I don't know, something where it's like, let's talk about where, where we can improve, where we were great about themselves. And it was incredible to see an organization thoughtfully without malice or like trying to tear each other apart figure out where they can improve in the next cycle. Right. Loved it. It was positive. It was, it was, um, what do I want to say? Productive. Yeah. Right. Like good things. And I said to Nancy, God, it'd be really fucking incredible that tomorrow when we go to the Broward Dems meeting, cause I went to it as you did, uh, that they did this. Yeah. And that everybody broke out into those four teams. And we actually have a real conversation about like what can be better here and where we went wrong and what we can do better. Of course, that didn't happen. And when Nancy it brought it up on Tuesday night, uh, uh, the chair was like, oh, we have, we have time. We can do that later on. Like it was just, which is what yeah. it always is when I go. So I, w- I went to the Broward Dems meeting clearly, like just really t- to hear, to listen yeah. about what their, their plan was going forward. I don't want to hear about what you've done. I just want to hear about like moving forward, what we can do. And it was, it was shocking to walk into that room again for the first time in like four years and see that not much has changed. Um, especially since you have a brand new board they've had for two years, like it's the same volunteers, the same people showing up to the membership meeting. And, um, it's weird for me to see a person that's real that I talk a lot of shit about. Like I felt very uncomfortable and and upset with myself. And so I, I thought about you and I thought about how you sit here and you're, and you don't say anything. And I know for a reason, I know, but you're smart. Because you know that this person exists in real life. (laughs) And I see them more as a figurehead. And here's, I want to say this. I've never had a bad interaction with the chair of the Broward Democratic Party. He's He's a a very nice man. Very, very nice. He's a very nice man. Uh, I just, here's where my, here's where my, where it lies with me. I think that hopefully um, that he would understand. I think people that are in these figurehead positions probably understand that they get the brunt right. of the anger. Like that's part of leading an organization. Right. So I think my, where my, where my anger or whatever frustration more lies with him and the party in, in general, the, the whole Dem party in Broward is you didn't try anything new. You know, so when you, when he sat there and he was banging on the table, yeah. yelling about the things that they were doing, I and felt I, bad. And, and I believe he does. Absolutely. A lot. And that's I why believe I, he was out there knocking. That's every where I felt door. bad. I felt bad because yeah. I sat here and I said that they did nothing. I don't think the Florida Dems did anything. Let me make that clear. But I know the Broward Democratic Party did work. And I said that when I stood up to finally talk, I said, thank you for the work that you've done. I appreciate it. Like, I know they did work. The problem is the work that you did was recycled from the board before you and the board before that and the and the the 20 years under Mitch Caesar 
And we are in a different time now. And so the same old kind of plans and things that you're doing clearly don't work. This can, Nobody came out to vote. We lost the governor's race by 20 points. So we had to something do something went new. Wrong. Something went wrong. Yeah. So they did work, yeah. except I, I have, I can call into question almost every single thing they did. Standing at polls doesn't do anything. Making an endorsement card where you endorse multiple, multiple uh, Democrats in one race doesn't help anybody, you know? And so I, I do appreciate the work they've done. I find fault in the plan of, of your of execution, like the work, the plan that you had is a poor plan. And I thought he's a young guy. I thought even he comes in, he'll, they're going to, they're going to shake up this place. They didn't do it. And so that's where I find fault with it, you know? So I did feel bad when I, when I, oh God, I got to tell you, when I edit that audio and I'm listening to myself, it's horrifying. <laughs> I, I must black out when I start screaming <laughs> like that. I'm telling you what. You don't remember. No. And I'm listening. <laughs> I go, oh my gosh, she's I, a monster. No. Uh, she's a monster. <laughs> you, I think, and, and what I love about you, and I wish I could do like mm. I it like I wish that I just it's I think it's courageous to be able to speak so uh matter of flatly bluntly about issues because people don't do it and so I think we're used to not hearing people do it and it's important to do you know and I I appreciate that I think the problem is that if I was doing it and it was help it was helping <laughs> You know, if I could say to Rick Hoy, grab him by the shoulders and be like, here's what you need to do. Like right. I would do it, but I think I'm screaming into the void. Like, I don't right. know if it's actually, but I think it just gets my blood pressure high to hearing from people. I well, I don't know. Uh, there's so I many mean, people wanted to talk and I was the last one basically yeah, called well. on. I was like, oh, Hillary. Uh. I was like, I'm sorry. I know. And then I went after the chair of the uh, Florida Democrat, our, our, our um, state committee men. Ooh, what a shame. What a shame that is. Again, having new ideas and perspectives I think is always and often a good thing and also like to stand in front of a group of people as the our liaison to the state and congratulate and, say, and blame the state that you're yeah. directly working with as if you didn't know for two years that there was nothing happening and I mean, then had the balls like here's the thing that's shocking to me that Ken Evans and Grace Carrington can walk into a room and just be like, mm -hmm, sit in the front and think no one's going to yell at them because you know what? No one does. And that's why they don't do anything and they don't ever say anything and they don't right. sound the alarm because nobody ever holds them accountable and is like, yo, motherfucker, what have you been doing for two years? Right, and you made a very good point in, um, you made a post recently, um, really asking if you, it, of that committee uh, person, if you knew that meetings weren't happening and we are in dire straits and we know that this election is so important to mm -hmm. get DeSantis out, right? Like just talking about the governor's race alone. Again, why wasn't the alarm sounded? Right, why that's what you put in the you paper. Know, yeah, like why, yeah, why aren't you writing yeah. articles about that saying, hey, I'm a committee person in Broward. We can't get any state support. We need, Ugh. like, you know what I mean? It's or so posting on your social odd. media, we're trying to get state support. There's no meetings being held. We don't know what the budget is, you know? Yeah, Chair Diaz is not doing his, yeah. it's incompetent. Uh, it's the not DNC doing his job. lost us $58 million. Like the state is not helping. Like we need a, you know, emergency, emergency. Yeah. It's, uh, there's so much at stake and they, they choose to 
not do what they've been elected to do, but to walk around at galas and meetings. And he's so important. And you know what? I mean, that's the fun that's a, part. Those two, those two hold so much voting power because it's a weighted vote, which means Broward, which is a huge democratic, not only just as a large population, but huge democratic caucus, uh, caucus here. Or yeah. Yeah. That their, their vote on the state level, it weighs more than someone in like a Seminole County, them. Which is because so, we so, have more people, and so there's like three or I four counties the in the state that can actually alone elect the chair of the Florida Democratic Party. Those two are super important people, and, and they walked the way that. Um, oh, see, now I start to question: I know, Should I say I something? But the way that Grace Carrington, Committee Woman Carrington, kind of walked to the front of the room, lackadaisical. Is that a good word? I, I, is that the right? I don't know if it was. It was just like sauntered to the front, and she's like, "Well, this is a quote." <laughs> to when I asked, why didn't you tell anybody about the finance that we weren't getting this money? And she goes, well, you have to understand, uh, Chair Diaz doesn't like the finance committee to hold meetings. I mean, that alone is a red flag. And my right? jaw dropped. <laughs> and I said, excuse me? Yeah. Like what? Oh, how is that not a fucking problem? I mean, how money, is that not a problem? I mean, not, not for nothing, but money is what you need. Yeah. And if we're not getting, what is it? $58 million. And yeah. then we're not holding finance committee meetings. Yeah. What so are we, we doing? So I felt bad too because, you know. And that's not her fault that they're not holding right. meetings. But the county level, so like when the Broward Dems aren't able to do everything they want to do, it's because they're not getting money from the state level. And right. the state level's not getting money from the DNC, the, the National Committee. And so all of that trickled down to where whatever the Broward Dems was able to finally do wasn't even up to everything they wanted to do because they didn't have money. Right. Now, that's where people power comes in. That's where you ask and beg and and start right. and, well and, for and two years did. you're supposed to be building your volunteer base right and, before and I, an election and, and they did have um I, I forget what they call it but they do have they did have different fundraising efforts because i get all those e emails where mm -hmm. it's and it's, I, I don't want to call it the sunshine club it's called something it was is i forget that, is it that blue hearts or something like that it's something i don't know but it's like you know some happy yeah i don't know um, way to get, I forget what it's called, yeah. <laughs> but I know that they were putting out efforts of like 20 bucks. And I think it was like 20 bucks here, 20 bucks, you know? So I think they were, you know, trying, but again, if the same sort of email blast isn't working, maybe hold, um, an event that you don't have to pay a hundred dollars to go to so that people, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. or, or have a presence at some, you know, different events happening in the city to engage people and get them to join. And I mean, there's a million ideas and I feel the same way. Like I know as a precinct captain and I have been asking, I went through my emails. I went through my emails to try to find the precinct captain handbook um, and I still cannot find it. Um, so I know that, that maybe I haven't done my duties to the best of my ability, but I did go out and knock doors and I did do my area as much as I could, like through the Linda campaign. Mm. Um, but, you know, I don't, maybe I need to be on another committee um, with, you know what I mean? I, I, I was reflecting on this myself and like, what can I, you know, I, I, I what can I do to help? And yeah. so I think that's what I'm going to try to do moving forward is seeing like, is there some committee I can get on that I can help or do something in some way and see what happens I mean you know what I mean so that's where I'm at with it like if we want the change to happen right um we're in a lot of trouble we're in a lot of trouble so I'm like I, because I, the people who could make these changes happen um uh, they're not going to do anything 
believe me. It's it's an unfortunate situation. And I think the reason, well, I know the reason I stopped being involved in the party in the first place is because I, I put time. I went to their trainings. I did their voter registration training. I did their van training. I mm-hmm. did knocked on doors with them. I did a lot for them in the year and a half that was leading up to that 2018 18. election. Oh, what Not only working on, then I worked on campaigns. I was doing women's march things. Like I was oh. doing all of that. And when I realized that all those things that they were asking us to do were shit, I, gotta, um, I, gotta, I couldn't go back and do those same things again. So I would love to do work with them. I would, yeah. I would, I really want to try, but I can't go if you're going to try to serve me bullshit. Like I can't eat that. And I have to say, um, talking about that uh, election cycle, I have a, uh, a friend who recently we were having a conversation and I didn't know that this friend had volunteered for the Gillum campaign and knocked doors through uh, the Broward Democratic Party. And she said to me, she's like, oh yeah. She's like, it was so confusing. I went to this one place, everything was a mess. And she's like, and after that, like, I just didn't want to volunteer anymore. And she stopped knocking doors because it was like chaos. And you remember it was very chaotic. And she's like around my age, um, a couple years younger. And that's someone that would probably be like, that's like, we lost like a good person. You know what I mean? That, that would go out that and knock a doors. Lot. That happens a lot. You know, so, so there's something. And I didn't even know that she was like even interested in politics or anything. We just happened to have this conversation. And I was like, oh my God, like I remember that. And we kind of stuck around because we were involved in different things. But then I was like, wow, how many people who were really sort I mean, of anxious and excited to get involved because of the national political climate came out in 2018 that we may have lost? Yeah. I think the thing that bothers me too is that, you know, there's no humility. There's no like, it's just, there's no like coming in and being like, this is basically what their overall, which I've heard for six years is when they said on Tuesday night, well, the outcome wasn't what we wanted, but we have to move forward. Well, of course. And it's like, I mean, I feel like that's obvious, but then it was like, there's no self-reflection. There's no like, here's the things we could have done better. You know, if we had more money, we really were outspent. We didn't have any resources here. That's a big deal. And that's a legitimate fucking thing. Yeah. And they did talk about that. The county is only doing, so like when I said to that committee person, I said to, to the committee woman, I said, all I'm asking is that you go back to the Florida Dems and you ask them for a 10 to 20 year plan. No one is going to invest in, in the Florida Democratic Party, not even the DNC, if you don't show them what you're going to do. Right. Here's the steps we're going to take. No, you don't go to a bank and ask for a loan for your business and just say, I got a great idea. And they're like, here's $50,000. You seem amazing. You have to say, here's the business that I want to have. Here's the location I want to have it. There's no other coffee shops for three miles. And I think that this would be the best place to put a coffee shop because I'm near a school. I'm near offices. People, the the foot traffic during this day. You have to have a plan. Here's how much I'm going to charge. Here's what my, where I'm going to get my, my, my supplies. The the, the estimated revenue. How many employees I'm going to have for so many years. Like you have to have a business plan. You have to have a plan to win. You have to have a plan to make some sort of efforts to move, to win, start to win back Florida before someone will give you money. But you can't blame the DNC who has been investing here for 20 plus years right. without a governor, Demo- a, a democratic governor, without, without watching the state slip away. You cannot blame the DNC when you have actively been participating in the, in the demise of this thing. Right. To where they won't give us like A plus B equals C. Imagine if there was some huge like Florida social media campaign outrage, Mm -hmm. right? From all the counties of just electives, committee people, like the the DNC is 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 leaving us behind. The DNC is leaving us behind. And and like 
getting it like and it's not like florida wasn't that wasn't happening the entire legislative session we saw the 15-week abortion ban they saw the don't say gay they saw the stop woke act florida was under attack by republicans and the dnc it looks at the florida democratic party and sees such fucking disarray they're like we know you all are getting national worldwide attention but go fuck yourselves right but but sound like, the that's alarm a real and fucking call thing. them out on not giving us money and you know put pressure out there. By the way, DeSantis is no doubt going to be the Republican nominee. Oh. He was running in the state, and the DNC still said, "Go fuck yourself." We are not even going to try to stop the next Republican uh, president. presidential yeah. nominee. Well, we're not even going to do that. Just say president probably because yeah. We already see the writing on the wall. I was, my husband oh my and I God. were talking about this and yeah, Trump came out. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, nobody's Trump talking about out, it. You notice that's not even a big it's thing. It's not a big thing. <laughs> Mur- uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Murdoch is like, bye, we're not oh, yeah. supporting you. Because guess what? Guess who they're all in for? Mm. America, guess. DeSantis. Yeah. And if you thought Trump was bad, <laughs> oh baby, you better watch out. DeSantis is Trump times a hundred or times a million, but you wouldn't know he, it and because he's, he's like this. Cause he's like this, but he also has a brain. He's not stupid. He's not wild. He's not wild. Like Trump with the mouth. Right. But he's not stupid. He's strategic and he knows exactly what he's doing. Yep. So good luck trying to beat that because that is who that they have that. I feel like, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. They're putting all their eggs in the DeSantis basket. Yeah. They don't give a shit about Trump and Trump is too stupid. Alfredo that said it was never me. about Alfredo. Trump. It yeah. was never about Trump. Yeah. It's about who is going to push forward their most radical ideas and who can do it well. And DeSantis can do it better than Trump. Yeah. And, well, I don't even, they don't even care. Republicans don't care about radical ideas. Their name of the game is winning, being yep. in power. Yep. And we, how do we know that? Trump was their fucking nominee and they all went in for it. They went in hard. McConnell After was behind they, it because he knew he could get whatever he wanted if he did course. it. They all, even reasonable you know, even keeled fucking Republicans will support somebody they if they are line. winners. Yeah, they get in line. Yeah. And this, and Alfredo said to me, well, now DeSantis has the, he's got 90 fucking million dollars sitting there still. And he's bringing in more he's, he goes, money. He, all he did the last two years is go cr- all around the country and, and raise money. And he's still doing it. And Alfredo's <laughs> like, all he needs to, he's got the fundraising power. He just needs to go and like introduce himself around. I go, no, 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 no. They already know he, him. People love him. Yeah everywhere i'm telling you i have family in pittsburgh yeah who love him my sister lives in north carolina and she said people are fuck there's desantis 2024 bumper stickers everywhere everywhere he has he's not uh uh only known in florida and if people or the dnc don't realize that like oh baby they're trying to keep fucking biden alive so so this is (laughs) i mean let's let let what is that going to look like? I've been thinking about this. And, and you Girl. know what? <laughs> oh so we were, at a, we were at a Dolphin Democrats meeting on Wednesday, and there was a cutout of <laughs> Biden and Kamala. <laughs> and the Biden, you know, Biden, not for nothing. He's got a very nice smile. Oh, he's, he's a handsome, handsome, mm. young Joe Biden, young Joe Biden, hot. Get it? But imagine even being older, like like uh, First Lady Biden, and like Ooh. this is your husband. You still got a good looking guy. Jill here. Biden's hot too. You know, beautiful couple. Mm-hmm. He's got that. I feel like Joe Biden is like if he was in a cartoon, he would be the cartoon every time he smiled. It would be like ding, ding. Yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes. That's like that's the smile that he has. And then next to is Kamala. But looking at the two pictures, like, because I think 
Joe Biden was always like a good looking guy. Mm-hmm. He's like a frat boy, I bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's got that. You can see he that there's- He played football with like a le- one of those leather helmets. <laughs> yeah, that's and he was how, like holding that's the ball how like old this. he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so- you know, he, there's a, the, a coolness about him, yes. you know, like, yeah. he, like he seems very comfortable, <laughs> yes. but the, 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 uh, Kamala <laughs> next to him, that little cutout, you could see that there there's, you could see the tension in even like the way the hands are being held. She has to, it's, there's a tension and, um, there has I'm to be. worried. I'm so worried because we haven't heard much from her and I'm so worried. And I, and I, Listen, I like her. I do not think that if you if she is up against DeSantis, that she can win. But but there she, has it's going to be, be the Hillary. It's going to be the Hillary problem. Not to mention, not first of all, let's analyze this for just you know, quickly. Like she quickly, she doesn't have the charisma. Fine, but let's. She does. She has charisma. She's pretty fucking funny. But that I did see but something. It doesn't come forward. I did see something like, going around on Twitter. Pres- president. I saw something. No, I feel like she's she been restrained. It. Of course, they but, restrained her. I want to know the real Kamala. I'm sorry. There's something going around on Twitter where it's her just laughing, like clips of her laughing and laughing. And I'm like, somebody's, and I, then I saw it on Instagram. I'm like, somebody's trying to push this, like softening of Kamala. But let's be honest. There has to be, not only is she a woman, but she's a woman of color. She has to be so conscious of how she's standing, how she's looking, yeah. how she sounds all uh, the time. All, which no, she says. I know, I know. And so he's allowed as this white dude to, to be, be fucking comfortable and cool yeah. and jokey. She can't. So that's the hard, hard part, not only being a woman, but being a woman of color, it's a million times harder. So can she ever be a presidential nominee? I don't know. I like her. I like her. I'm not saying I don't but like I her. But I think she, I think she I, has that problem that Val Demings had where she's a woman of color who supports police and prisons. Like, well, uh, this is where we have a problem with the Democratic Party, right? Because yeah. it's like, um, we were at some meeting with some, some, I think if I'm with the Broward Times is that we have like 57 interests and not right, two. Right. And so you have people in the party that are like, oh, Kamala supports police. And like, now I can't support, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're, instead of just like accepting that, like you can still be, cause she was a prostitute. Like I get her background and, and Val Demings, like you can still be involved in law enforcement and not be for all the bad things that are part of the system of law enforcement. You know right. what I mean? It's just that Val Demings, my God. She's amazing. Like what the hell? She Florida? is amazing, but it's like chief, chief, chief. It's yeah. such a turnoff to the black community. And so how are you going to, she lost huge in the black community. Like how she did? Are, yeah. In those counties that are up North that, that Gillum won, like the ones that are right on the border of Georgia, Gillum won huge. She lost in those areas. I'm pretty sure when I checked it, Ugh. like she, she really, I think that was a huge turnoff to, to chant chief, chief, chief. I mean, I know that we're not talking a lot about Black Lives Matter anymore. We're not seeing those same sort of protests like we were in the summer of 2020. Well, we should. There was just still, another child killed yeah, by police it's officers. It's still a fucking major issue. This hasn't gone away. And you don't, you don't, Galvin, and she also didn't bring people up. She gave no money to other candidates. When she, w- I was at a press conference when she, she showed up at that GOTV center in Walt Manors and every person, there were all kinds of electeds and candidates there. And one by one, they came up to the podium. When she came in, her entire team made them clear out all the people behind her. Like she doesn't even want to associate with other candidates or other campaigns. She had no interest in bringing other people along. Oh, that's not right. That's not okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Like that's not okay. So I don't, I don't know. know. I, I like <laughs> I like Kamala. Me too. I just worry 
that she is going to have like the Hillary and maybe it's just a, a woman problem, right? Like that. But also something- you just mentioned an 89 year old. I think it was Chuck Grassley was 89. Yes. He just got reelected. Uh, I think he's like in Indiana or in Illinois or something, but um, we want to talk about Joe Biden who, hold on a second. Let me just check how old this motherfucker is right I now. I think he's like seven. 78, 79? He's 79. Yeah. In two years, in 2024, he'll be 81. No. And he's asking for four years. So he'll be 86 by the time, if he wins, no. he'll be 86 when he leaves. So let's talk about what that looks like. Because I got to tell you, I've seen him with his quips yeah. and all the things like, oh, he's so funny. But when I can't personally watch him at a press conference, it makes me nervous. He talks oh, like very he's gonna slow. Slip up. He's gonna. He well, ta- but and I don't know what's going on. He's issue. Yeah, he's not. There's. You know it I mean? already seems he old. Had the, he had the stutter, and so like a lot of people attribute like. Yeah. He just listen, seems very old he, to me. He, he already he is old. Yeah. And and but here's the thing: like the Biden administration has done a lot. Oh yeah. They have accomplished so much, and he's been able to do a lot of bipartisan stuff. Like he he knows people, and I and he knows how to grease the wheels with people like I get it but can we for the love of God like have something in place can we have something in place where it's not the two of them and it's something new that like in fresh and like you know I don't so know. speaking of that uh two I want to talk about our little mucks know. because last Friday we had Jaden D'Onofrio on who was fucking incredible incredible a Gen Z organizer and voter who did a lot of work here in Florida and across the country to make sure that Gen Z came out. And he was in Broward. He was able to come over and hang oh out with God. us. And then I saw him on Monday night. I saw him on Tuesday. I'm like, look at my new buddy. <laughs> he's such a cool kid. And I keep saying kid. He's such a cool young man. And yeah. I felt very lucky that he was here and um, got to share what his ideas were, what he thinks the party can do. And how, you know, let's be honest. If the Dems start, start, start making a plan to fucking get Gen Z involved, the Republicans will eventually take their rights away or try to manipulate or, them in some way. Or they're going to, yeah, they're, they're going to use them, yeah. right? They're going to come talk to them. They're going to register them to vote. Yeah. So uh, I love that. And then this Friday in two days, Maya Brown is going to be on, Ooh. who's an amazing lobbyist. Uh, she works on campaigns. She's a strategist across the state of Florida, Man. involved in job. so many beautiful, amazing campaigns yeah. this last one, including Ashley Gant, who took out James Bush down in Miami. Thank God. Um, so very excited for everybody here, but for, for Maya. I loved that interview too. That was that so good. Yeah. So good. And she does, um, it doesn't she do Florida black girls? Yes. And they do Florida black girls. It's yeah. Jasmine Rogers, Lindsay Pollard, and of course, Maya Brown. It's on Twitter, Twitter spaces. I actually, they, they're one from their wrap up of the, of the election was two and a half hours. I'm about 30 minutes into it. It's really good. Wow. It's really, really good. But that day. Brilliant minds. Yeah, totally. The three of them. And then that, but that day. Um, they talk about it a little bit. They said one candidate in particular, we just found out that Charlie Chris had $500,000 still sitting in yeah. the bank. Yeah. And they kind of, Maya on the on the Florida Black Girls uh, Twitter space uh, recording, you can go back and listen to it. She starts to, you know, she's talked to us on the podcast about how her mind starts to go, like, how could this money work best? Right. And she starts analyzing, like, how many field people you could have had dropping <gasps> literature for the $500,000. Wow. Right? And then, by the way, that money. Wow. That money was then dispersed. Oh, he did give it out. Yeah. Too little, too late, Charlie. Especially if, you, especially if you know people work on his campaign, then you were lucky enough to get some. Oh. Hi. Charlie the bitch, Chris. Um, okay. <laughs> oh, two, oh, what two oh. more little small things. Okay. Um, I recorded. I was on our Odd Pods family. <gasps> 
there's a, a music <laughs> there's a music podcast called Infectious Groove. It's hosted by Russ. And um, when I met Russ a couple of, like a month ago when, for dinner, when uh, Lauren and Russ came down, he I he was like, "When are you going to come on the podcast?" I'm like, nah, "I'm not cool enough to be on that, <laughs> that podcast." But he said they had an open spot for one of their episodes. It's an epic uh, cover battle. Ooh. And I was like, what's the song? And he said, Jolene. And I was like, oh, I'm fucking, I could do that right now. I don't even <laughs> need to listen to the songs. And it was the Dolly Parton original versus the, the White Stripes cover. Ooh, and, fun. Uh, so much fucking fun. So I got to record that on Thursday night. And it was with, with Russ and Michelle, who's also the co-host on the show. What a delight she is. Girl, like very dry funny and she gives Russ the business I was fucking Ooh. here for it I was, the whole time I was laughing giggling the whole, the whole fucking time oh, I can't wait to hear it and she was really great and I got to quote Judge Judy which always comes in handy <laughs> so that comes that came out two days ago Monday the 11 11 21 so everybody go back and listen to my yes. appearance on effects also like he goes tell us about the mug podcast I'm like I started talking I'm like I think this is right and then we get to the end and he's like so why should people listen to the muck? And I'm like, well, because we're cute. Like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> so stupid. And then he starts talking about how much he's like, I'm not into politics, but I know these ladies know what they're talking about. And that's like the show I go to. And I go, God, I wish I had come up with something better to <laughs> say at the end of this podcast. So oh, that was fun. That's adorable. Yeah. So I love yeah, it. Go check it out. All right, wait, Ooh. who's first? I am, baby. Ooh, right? yeah. Oh, wait. Today oh, is our yes. 150th episode. And we are doing a special international, <gasps> international muck episode. International intrigue. <laughs> yeah. So, because every time there's a great uh, podcast called, um, oh, Hillary, fuck you. Working, cl working class history. I think. Oh, it's working class history. It's yes. a great, so great, great. And every time they do stories, I go, "Oh, this would be so good for the muck," and it's always international. And I'm yeah. like, "Fuck it, what the fuck am I?" And so I'm so glad because there's so many good stories. There's so, I mean, oh, I can't God. wait. I can't wait to hear what you picked. Well, I'm sure you're gonna guess where I went. Italia. Oh, Italy. Yes, you knew that was coming. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait. Oh my God. All right, today. Yes. I'm going to tell you the story of former Italian prime minister and president of the Christian Democratic Political Party, mm. Aldo Moro. Okay. <gasps> Aldo Moro was one of Italy's longest serving prime ministers who enacted social and economic reforms. But when he's kidnapped, his appeals for release fall on deaf ears. Oh, no. Yes. The story is a little crazy let's go all right so our story takes place primarily in rome in the 1970s rome, rome. hey, hey rome. <laughs> in 1978 so he was born in 1916 1978 is a hell of a year oh well hey hey <laughs> um from there he moved to um he moved to milan as a child uh, after finishing high school he attended the university of bari where he studied law and later became a law professor and um like I said, he was one of the longest serving prime ministers and he spent most of his life in politics, like from when he first like got his law degree. And from what I read, he started in around 1939 when he joined the University of Bari's Catholic Federation of University Students. Mm. And fun fact, he ends up becoming friends with this guy, Giovanni Battista Monti, who later becomes Pope Paul the uh, Sixth. Whoa. So like he went to college with a guy that like ended up being the Pope and they were like buddies. Isn't that weird? Totally weird. Because like when I think of like a Pope, I yeah. just think like they're already old. Like yeah. I don't think about like, <laughs> oh, they grew up and they had friends and yeah, they like yeah. lived, they like, went to college and partied and like yeah. now they're the Pope. It's weird. Totally. Right? Like, yes. It's just, I don't know. 
which I was like, oh, I guess he would have to go to college. (laughs) (laughs) So um, by 1943, Moro helps form what's called the Christian uh, Democracy, which was sort of like a Catholic centrist party. Mm -hmm. And it started in the middle of Nazi occupied Mm. um, Italy. So they're kind of trying to fight against like the fascist sort of ideas and he's more centrist. And in Italy, like there are so many, it's not like the U S is so like, we just have our two, I mean, we do have other parties, but let's face it. We really are like a two party system here, even though we have independence or whatever, or the mm-hmm. green party, but we're a two party system. But in Italy, there's like so many parties, you yeah. know, like it's just really long. So my daughter was in school and they were talking about all these different parties and they're talking about the green party and she came home. This is probably like a year ago. And she was like, yeah, it sounds might be in the green party. I go, you better get it together. Yes. Get it I, together. And she, cause she just doesn't want anything to do with, I think because her father and I just were so crazy about our politics, our yeah. views were opposite, but she was just like, she's had it. Yeah. She's like, I'll be in the green party. Peace well, out, bitch. Listen, I mean, the green party, it's a great, <laughs> the idea of the green party is great. It just can't go up against the machine of these yeah. two other parties. And, and I, that's what lost us that election. Yeah. Jill Stein, you know? And the other guy that uh, before that, the the Ralph uh, oh, Nader, Ralph Nader, <laughs> Get people the fuck vote out for Ralph here. Nader. Come on, uh, what are you gonna do? I think it must give them some sort of p- calm and peace that they don't have to be involved in in the the craziness of the yeah, two parties. But guess what? Then you leave us with the craziness. Uh, what are you gonna do? <laughs> what are you gonna do? <laughs> we're gonna leave. We're gonna go in exile. I bet they sleep very co- comfortably. Can you imagine? I can't like, sleep not, at all. I, I can't, can't sleep either. at all. You motherfuckers. <laughs> Green party. Oh my god! I'd get away with murder if I went on trial for that. I'd look at the I'd look at the jury. I said, "Fucking green party." Oh, let her go. Poor thing. Oh my god. <laughs> so so even though it was a centrist party, as time went on, it sort of moved more to like a center left kind of party. Mm. And according to his Encyclopedia Britannica page, he was elected as a deputy to the Constituent Assembly after World War II ended. And that assembly helped create the country's constitution at the time. So like they kind of restructured after World War II. Mm. And from there, it just steamrolled. So from 1948 to 1959, he had all these different appointments. Um, he was undersecretary of foreign affairs, minister of justice. And finally, um, he also served as minister of public instruction. So mm. he's like put in these positions throughout his career. And then in 1960, that's when he wins his first term as prime minister he went on to serve uh, prime minister five different times between Damn. 1960 and 1976. Jesus. Yeah. And so again, like I said, he did a lot of like economic and he tried to put in some social reforms like in his time, but it was like, he's elected, then he wasn't elected and then he's elected again. So it wasn't yeah. like he served consecutively. It's like, you know, here and there he's winning the seats. So after hmm. serving as prime minister for the last time, he was elected in 1976 as president of the Christian Democrats. So he's like now leading like this political um, organization. So even though he wasn't like officially in public office, he still was very influential yeah. in Italian politics, like in that position. And it's so weird to hear about a political party with Christian in the name. It me. is. You yeah. know what I mean? But it is yeah. a very Catholic it's, country. Yeah, I know. I'm like, but I was still, thinking it's the so same bizarre thing. to I'm hear like, Christian Democrat. Yeah. Very bizarre. Isn't it weird? Yeah. Cause we're so separation of church yeah. and state kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. So the major incident. Ooh. All right. So 1976, he's elected as the the president of the Christian Democrats. And then in 1978 is when this situation occurs. So on March 11th, 1978, Morrow was on his way to attend a special session in Rome, um, a legislative uh, session, and members of the militant left-wing group called the Red Brigades kidnapped him. 
And according to history, just five days prior to this, like Morrow had helped end like this government crisis that was happening. And then they were having this other special session. And so, you know, this group kind of takes him because I guess of his involvement and of, I guess his like kind of level of power, even though I, like I said, he wasn't an elected official, but he still held a lot of political power. Right. The Red Brigades, according to Wikipedia, essentially they worked as a violent militant group who, through the use of violence, hoped to create what they called a revolutionary state mm. and they went after folks they perceived to be enemies of the working class so they're oh like God. really kind of strict kind of you know marxist kind of ideology group mm. right and like we're for the proletariats and all of that so on that day moro's car was attacked by this group they killed his bodyguards and then they whisked Holy him cow. off to like some undisclosed location mm. so like they kind of like like the car is there obviously these people are killed and moro's gone and seven days later, on March 18th, they sent a letter. So there, a lot of these letters went back and forth. Um, but they sent a letter stating that Morrow was going to be put under a, quote, people's trial unless the government paid. And what they wanted as payment was the release of their guys. So 13 of the Red Brigades oh, were being held, yeah. right, in Turin. And so they're like, you release our guys in Turin, and we give you guys back Morrow. Now, most governments, as we know... Um, don't really participate. They have like, we don't negotiate with terrorist rules, right? Mm -hmm. Because like, if you continue to negotiate with a terrorist and you do these deals, it might prompt people to kidnap more people or do more things because they know they're going to get the payment that they want, right? I just feel like in these situations when like a human life, it's not like they're just stealing something and like, oh, I stole some painting and you got to give me $10 million, you get it back. Like this is a human being right. that they've taken. And like, what does a government do? I mean, the same thing with like, you know, journalists that are taken in wartime yeah. or soldiers, the same thing. It's, you know, it's like, it's, it's a very delicate situation. You know, you give in, I don't know. So at the, I don't, I just feel like it's a human life. Like, do we, I, I feel like we have to try this to is, do everything. This is why you can't possible. be in, you That's can't why, be in the room. No. Cause I would be like, you're no, we got to save them. Yeah. You're too emotional. <laughs> oh my God. So, but I get it. Right. So, um, on March Also, 9th, he had bodyguards. So clearly he was aware that at any point this kind of thing could happen. Yes. Yes. So he was yes, trying to protect yes, himself. I yes. mean, maybe he was aware that this could be a possibility. Yeah. You know, I mean, he put himself in that kind of position to be that, you know, to like do, vocal and yeah. 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 So on March 19th um, and on April 4th, uh, there were letters that were signed by Morrow, evidently pleading for the government to help him. So oh, like, God. So, you know, they were writing letters, but then letters came in from him as well. Um, meanwhile, like, it wasn't like they were just like, oh, he's kidnapped. We can't do anything. Like, fuck off. Like, they were really trying to find, the, like, the secret people's prison, but to no avail. Like, mm. so they're trying, like, to get, like sort of intel on like where he could be and try to find the location, but they Rescue just, him. they can't yeah. do it. So um, from one of the communications from the Red Brigades, it read, quote, in words, we have nothing more to say to the DC. It's government and the accomplices who support it. The only language that the servants of imperialism have shown they can understand is that of weapons. And it is with this that the proletariat is learning to speak. We therefore conclude the battle that began on March 16th carrying out the sentence to which Aldo Moro was convicted. Ooh. So they're like, we are going to put him on a people's trial. Oh my he God. He was tried and convicted. We hear this all the time right? with these groups. Yeah. Right. They're going to be the ones who put them on trial. Right. This kangaroo bullshit. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, it's scary. Yeah. So some political leaders feared 
a couple of things. They were afraid like Morrow was going to talk and leak information on some scandals that were happening at the Whoop. time that the Christian Democrats had covered oh, up. Oh, no. So remember, he's head of the Christian Democrats. And oh, no. so at the time, there was a scandal called, and I would love to cover it at one point on the muck. It, it was called the Lockheed bribery scandal. Mm. And that occurred when he was prime minister. And basically, it was a U.S. aerospace company that was involved in bribes. Trying Lockheed to sell, Martin? Yeah, trying to sell aircraft. And the bribes occurred from the 1950s to the 1970s. Oh so it was God. like this 20-year span. Yeah, that'd be fucking cool. So that's like kind of being covered up. Yeah. And so they think like, oh, God, is he going to start running his mouth about like this scandal and like oh my God. involvement in it? Uh, Morrow even wrote that he could be, quote, induced to speak in a manner that could be unpleasant and dangerous in certain circumstances. So in one of his letters, he's like, guys, like you get, get me out or I'm running my mouth. Right. Oh my God. Um, and he, I would not save you. So he said, which he noted could lead to quote certain and immeasurable damage. Dude, he's threatening people now. Yeah. Well, I don't think you're in the place to fucking do that. Well, but he's saying to the government, like get me out or yeah. I'm going to run my mouth. I know, right? but I mean, I really don't think that you should be like, but then that might compel the government to go, oh God, we don't want this whole thing to get out. We got to, oh my God. You know what I mean? I mean, I see his point where he's like, I got to get out of here. They're going to kill me. Like give them what they want. Holy like, please, shit. Or, like, and doing whatever he can to try to save himself. Yeah. At the end of the day, he's like, I want to save my life. Oh man, it's <gasps> wild. So I'm um, finally on April 15th after failed negotiation attempts, the Red Brigades communicated that Morrow had been found guilty. Like I said, at the people's Uh-oh. trial. And as a result, he would face death as punishment for his alleged crimes. Oh they tried one last time to negotiate a trade for Moro, um, you know, for those prisoners, but that went nowhere. Do you think that these groups are like cults? Like, there's no fucking way you're standing in this thing. You're sitting in this thing. Like, what, you knowing think, someone's going to die. Yeah, and you think you can put someone on trial. You've got, they've got no law experience. They're not right. law, lawyers or judges. Like, do you think that's a bit of a cult that you're like, you're the right leaders or you're the ones who are going to do right for the world and you're right. doing the and, right thing and you're going to kill somebody? Tri- and what did the trial look like? You know, yeah. like, do Answer they have for your crimes. Yeah, like, are you standing there? Are you interrogated? Are you, did you get a, yeah. like. And he gives them an answer. It's never going to be what they're yeah. looking for. It's always going to be you're guilty. Oh. It's a really fucking like fucked up. They're in this thing. It's they again, know. it's yeah. the psychological part. You're in this group together. You're, you have the same ideas. You're, yeah. So everything that sounds wild and crazy like holding a trial and murdering somebody right. makes sense and, because you all are reasoning it out with each other and it's like are they just using this trial as a way to justify killing him because yeah. what person has ever gone got gone free going oh hey we're gonna have this kangaroo co- court yeah and we're gonna put this person on trial and oh you know what yeah your ideas oh, okay sorry we're gonna let you go yeah. home no but like you, they go in with the intent yeah, they know I, they're gonna kill him yes and i honestly think they <laughs> so, like, when they get arrested like if they ever get arrested or whatever like the, with the with the patty hearst and yeah. she was like, you know, they're all sitting there. They're like, well, no, we were part of our organization. So we had a court. Yeah. <laughs> we fucking uh, held, people, they held people guilty. Can you imagine this? <laughs> My God. It's fucking crazy. It's crazy. I feel that way sometimes about like people in front of me at the bank teller line. Like if I have to go to the bank teller God. and they're not prepared and I'm sitting there waiting or at the ATM, like if you drive up ATM and it takes them 20 fucking minutes at the uh. ATM. Like I, I'm also like, no I'm, I've just held you in contempt of court and you're guilty. <laughs> now murder. Get out of line. Yeah, get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. So history also notes um, that on May 7th, Moro sent his wife a farewell letter oh. that read in part, quote, they have told me that they are going to kill me in a little while. 
I kiss you for the last time. Oh, fuck. That's sad. Isn't that sad? Um, the Pope at the time, Paul VI, his buddy from college, <gasps> even oh. pleaded with the kidnappers on bended knee to release his friend. He wow. was like, please. They don't get involved in anything. No. Wow. No. Beg them. Nothing happened. So on May 9th, just two days after the letter, Moro's body was found shot 10 times in the no! trunk of a red Renault 4 on Rome's, uh, on this rail, this like uh, the road near Rome, um, very near to the Christian Democrats headquarters. Oh my God. Yeah. Isn't that awful? It's really sad. Yeah. So nine of the 11, uh, nine of 11 members of the Red Brigades were caught and prosecuted for his murder. And sort of the aftermath of that Red Brigades group, they disbanded in the 80s, um, but then they reformed in the 90s and then again in the 2000s. So they kind of like kept popping back up. And some... Um, Did they rename themselves or anything? No, they're the oh Red God. Brigades. Oh my God. So some point, time for a rebranding, like, <laughs> right. the, like the Florida Democratic Party, kind of rebrand that bitch. <laughs> the happy fun time party. Right. How about oh that? My Try God. that. <laughs> Oh, my God. So I have a couple points of interest. Uh, <laughs> They're known for murdering democracy Ooh, in Florida. <laughs> what? Can we get that on a shirt? Rebrand. 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 <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, my God. Girl. Ugh. So in a letter, Moro, so another letter that was released, Moro said he didn't want any Italian politicians at his funeral. Ooh. And he felt like they had failed him. And in fact, his, his letter said he felt abandoned by his party. Ugh. I mean, he, like he ultimately, he gave his life. Yeah. But is it, is for it a, a party it? and no one really tried to save him? Yeah. To hold a grudge. Is that Italian? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> is, it yes. called, is it called anything that you know? Uh, not that I could think of, but you know, people don't forget. No. I mean, God. that's what I mean. This is like, no. this is a real Italian. He's, no, he's, no, he's no, like, no, don't. No. And by the way, I'm going I'm to die. My last kiss to you. Also, don't invite one of those motherfuckers yes, to don't. my funeral. <laughs> yeah, he said. And then he said, you don't make sure. Come. Yeah. Don't show up. Yeah. Not, a, not a one of you. Piece you of shit. <laughs> so he wrote. In, I hope he gave him secrets before he died. too. Right. I hope he gave him some information. He probably. Oh, God. This poor guy. Oh my, it's this so poor guy. Sad. He's like, I helped start this party. Yeah. Essentially. Oh, my God. And like, no one helps. Hey, this is real politics, though. Yeah. Nobody gives so, a shit. It's about them. It's about themselves. About, yeah, so Everybody's so about selfish. themselves. It's so selfish. <laughs> it's so, so he selfish. wrote, quote, on the life and death of Aldo Moro, history will be the judge. Oof. And his family made sure that no uh, politicians, because they wanted to come, and they're like, "You're not showing up." Good, Sorry. good for them. Good for them. So um, <laughs> another thing I thought was kind of weird, like just this year in uh, 2022, the BBC reported that a note regarding Morrow's abduction, mm. um, in terms of who was responsible, like a note from the Red Brigade, was sold at an auction. Someone spent like twenty six thousand euros for this letter that's like we have tomorrow we're going to kill him whatever wow Isn't that weird it's like the memorabilia weird. stuff like and i know people a lot of people said like this was in really poor taste like it was originally they were trying to sell it for like a thousand bucks or fifteen hundred bucks and then it went for twenty six thousand dollars and it's kind of like the same thing when people want to buy like artwork done by like charles manson or something right, right. you know so what are what are your um like, uh, well, people were saying, like, instead of selling it at auction, like, why not put it in a museum and talk about the mm. dangers of terrorism and, like, this yeah. is, like, the result of that rather than, like, someone just having it in their hat. I don't know. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on 
that kind of memorabilia, like serial killer memorabilia or, or memorabilia from like tragic events like this? Like, do you think people should be collecting that stuff? Or like, you know what I mean? If someone was like, here's a drawing by Charles Manson, would you be like, oh, cool. I have a drawing by Charles Manson. Or we'd be like, what the fuck? I would be like, what the fuck? Right. I don't, I'm not, I mean, I'm fascinated by serial killers and like true right. crime clearly and all that stuff, but that's a little too close. It's a for little me. too far. It's right? a little too. Yeah. I could Ugh. not be in possession or like want to have anything like that. It makes, ugh, the t- I just think about those families and the terror, like that. I didn't watch any Jeffrey Dahmer thing on Netflix. I know that you might've oh, watched some I of did. it. I did. I, I really have no interest in, I don't know. I heard about it. I just, I don't know. I, I think that there's something to be said about like, um, what is it called not not fantasy but um glorifying glorifying you know what I mean like there's something about that yeah and I don't know if that show was trying to like glorify him but humanize him it's just like yeah like trying to understand his dad I saw a clip of like like, the the actor playing his dad and the police are telling the dad like this is what your son's been up to and I felt bad for the dad and I'm like it's just like this little clip and I'm like why do I feel bad about this father like well I I can't get involved in this I mean, I, I can't imagine like if your child does something horrific, oh like my God. It's, I, I feel horrible for any parent that has to go, oh my God, like this was my child. Like, oh, bro. But um, I think they were trying to come up for some reason to try to understand why he did what he did. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I agree. All right. So um, in 2013, an article from The Guardian noted that Italian prosecutors wanted to revisit the case. Oh, like all these years later. And I guess the issue is that um, not that it was anyone other than the red brigades that were involved, but that there was a lack of police and government action. Mm. Um, And the article notes that supposedly there were missed tips and other things that could have contributed to uh, Moro's rescue, but all of that was mishandled. And so the question was, was it deliberately mishandled on purpose because of like his political power? You know what I mean? Yeah. So a lot of like questions about that were coming up. A lot of people were like conspiracy theory, like this was like a deliberate thing to kill him. You know, Um, another thing that I thought was interesting is his friend, uh, Pope Paul VI presided over his funeral Mm. and he stated, quote, we have come together in our cathedral of Rome to pray and bear witness in a world of hate and blood, that God's love may conquer everything. We invoke the Holy Spirit so that the violence of hatred may be overcome by the force of forgiveness and love. And then he goes on and kind of like shocks all of the Italian people. Because remember, this is the Pope, right? He says, and who can listen to our lament if not you, O God of life and death? You did not hearken to our supplication for the safety of Aldo Moro, this good, meek, wise, innocent, and friendly man. But you, O Lord, have not abandoned his immortal spirit, sealed by faith in Christ, who is the resurrection and the life. So you did not listen to He's my questioning prayer. God. Like the Pope is like, you didn't listen to me, right? He's the, the, the channel <laughs> right. to God. He, right. right. Holy shit. And he says That's this like cool. at a public like funeral Fuck. and everyone in Italy is like, what? What? <laughs> Yeah, basically questioning whether yeah. God can actually hear you praying. Yeah. And makes those things happen. Wild. That is. And dude. then he went after the mafia. Oh. And he basically said, quote, the judgment of God is coming. And they retaliated and they, bom- um, you know, they bombed the, uh, the, the cathedral over there. That well, was- <laughs> have you watched Vatican Girl yet? I need to watch it. Watch Vatican Girl on Netflix. You will see 
that that the Pope and the, the Vatican and the mafia there are so fucking tied together closely. Oh my God. It's wild, but you have got, it's political. Ooh. It's a mystery with this girl. It's so much shit happening. It's so fucking wild. You have to watch that, that movie or the uh, show. It's a yeah, show. I'm going to, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. And yeah. then another thing that like uh, I talked a little bit about before was this conspiracy theory. And that the conspiracy theory was that the red brigades were just sort of manipulated by the Italian secret service, right wing wing groups and the CIA because Moro was a, a little too controversial. Mm. And then one more um, fun fact is that in 2012, the Holy See got notification to start the uh, beatification process for Moro to make him a saint. <laughs> but then, um, so yeah, so for non-Catholics, like that is like, and it's a long process. They got to see like, have any miracles been, you know, uh, uh, can be attributed to Moro like after his death and this, that, and the other. Um, but remember all those scandals. So in 2015, they were like, uh, we kind of have to stop because we don't know if he was involved in these scandals. So who knows? Maybe he'll be a saint one day, Give me a but break. you got to love, you got to love that, that process. Like we just like this dude, like now let's make him a saint. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Like, how do you prove the miracles? I don't know. Like it's so Girl, funny. please. But that's the story of the murder and kidnapping of Aldo Moro. Excellent. <gasps> Loved it. Wasn't that a fun little story? I yes. mean, I hate to say fun. The man was kidnapped and killed. But Guess what? Our stories are kind of like similar. I also do like a plot. So Ooh. it's, yeah, it's awesome. Are you ready? Yes. I'm Richie, a.k.a. Midnight Agent Raw. I'm Devin, a.k.a. Special Delivery Dev. We're the Super Media Bros Podcast. And each week, we give a comedically informative take on movies, music, television, pro wrestling, and much more. Check us out at SuperMediaBrosPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else that you can listen to podcasts. Shades on. We're off. Bring my story, but I'm going to cover the July 20th plot. Okay. Okay. On July 20th, 1944, Klaus von... Listen, it's all German and I'm going to fuck it all up. (laughs) Just don't write me a letter. Don't tell me I'm an idiot. I know. Klaus von Stauffenberg and other conspirators attempted to assassinate Adolf Hitler, Führer of Nazi Germany, inside of his Wolf's Lair field headquarters near Rostenburg, East Prussia, now present-day Poland. The name... Operation Valkyrie, originally yeah. referring to part of the conspiracy, has been associated with the entire event. Okay. Since 1938, there had been groups plotting an overthrow of some kind with the German army, within the German army and the German military intelligence organization. Groups of military plotters exchanged ideas with civilian, political, and intellectual resistance groups in the Krasser Kreis and other secret circles. I love this little accent. Thank you. It's so cute. It's German. <laughs> uh, plans to stage an overthrow and prevent Hitler from launching a new world war were developed in 1938 and 1939, but were aborted. One reason was failure of the Western powers to oppose Hitler's aggression in, until 1939. America. <sighs> America. In 1942, a new conspiratorial group formed, led by Colonel Henning von Treskow, who commanded Army Group Center in Operation Barbarossa. Treskow systematically recruited oppositionists into the group staff, making it the nerve center of the army resistance. So that's what they would do. They would kind of build these groups and like 
figure out how they were going to yeah. do this, right? Little could be done against Hitler as he was heavily guarded and none of the uh. plotters could get near enough to him. During 1942, Hans Oster, deputy chief of counter-espionage, and Treskow nevertheless succeeded in rebuilding an effective resistance network. Their most important recruit was General Friedrich Ulbrich, head of the General Army Office Headquarters, who controlled an independent system of communications to reserve units throughout Germany. Linking this asset to Treskow's resistance group and Army Group Center created a, vis- a viable coup apparatus. Which is incredible. Like, not only are they like, look, try, like, you know, first of all, if you drop a hint that like you might want to overthrow Hitler, you, two, in two seconds you'll be arrested right, and fucking right. killed, right? It's all gonna be coded. Yeah, and but they, they and- were purposely picking people that could help them, like in really high positions that, you know, could go along with it. I mean, and I that's find that very, scary. And scary. Yeah. My God. Yeah. And but, late, but, <clears throat> but the fact that like you're taking that risk mm-hmm. because like they understand how desperate this needs to happen. Yeah. You know? Right. In late late 1942, Treskow and Ulbrich formulated a plan to assassinate Hitler and stage an overthrow during Hitler's visit to the headquarters of Army Group Center at Smolznik in March 1943, placing a bomb on his plane. This was called Operation Spark. (laughs) I love that. The bomb... Wait. (laughs) Spark! Uh, This is like the best name ever. Operation Operation Spark. Spark. That's gonna, be my, that's gonna be my drag name. The bomb failed to detonate, and a second attempt a week later with Hitler at an exhibition in Berlin also failed. These failures demoralized the conspirators. During 1943, Tres- Treskow tried without success to recruit senior army field commanders to support a seizure of power. Treskow, in particular, worked on his commander in chief army group center, Field Marshal Gunther von Klug. <laughs> to persuade him to move against Hitler and at a t- at times succeeded in gaining his consent only to find him indecisive at the last minute. However, despite their refusals, none of the field marshals reported their treasonous activities to the Gestapo or Hitler, which is kind of nice. So, right, so then that tells you that they're um, maybe on board. They can't yeah. be as vocally, they can obviously yeah. can't be vocally they agree. on board, but they agree. Yeah. So what is their motivation, right? They, they, were, uh, they were opposed to Hitler and his Nazi policies. While the main goal of the plotters was to remove Hitler from power, they did so for various reasons. They had these different reasons. The majority of the group behind the July 20th plot were conservative nationalists and idealists. Martin Borschat portrays their motivations as a matter of aristocratic resentment, writing that the plot was mainly carried out by conservative elites who were initially integrated by the Nazi government, but during the war lost their influence and were concerned about regaining it. So there's different mm. reasons, right? However, at least in so Stroffen- it's not the, not the most noble cause. Right. However, at least in Stroffenberg's case, the conviction that Nazi Germany's atrocities against civilians and prisoners of war were a dishonor to the nation and its military was likely a major motivating factor. Historian Judith Michel assesses the circle around the July 20th group as a diver- diverse group that included liberal Democrats, conservatives, social Democrats, authoritarian aristocrats, and even communists. And the com- common goal was to overthrow Hitler's regime and bring a swift end to the war Uh, many members of the plot had helped the nazis gain power and shared revisionist foreign policy goals pursued by hitler and even at the time of the plot were anti-democratic hoping to replace hitler with a conservative authoritarian government involving aristocratic rule oh my god they opposed they opposed popular legitimation or mass participation in government state right so they 
wanted to overthrow Hitler, but then bring in, have a new sort of government where it's like kings and queens and like high rule. Yeah. So, but (laughs) yeah, so they want this aristocracy. Yeah. But they, they have failed big time because it's like we're, they probably thought we're going to use Hitler to get what we want. Trump. And then they're like, uh oh. Yeah. Trump. Yeah. That's what they did with Trump. They used that motherfucker up. Oh, God. By mid-1943, the tide of war was turning decisively against Germany. The army plotters and their civilian allies became convinced that Hitler should be assassinated so that a government acceptable to the Western allies could be formed and a separate peace negotiated in time to prevent a Soviet invasion of Germany. In August 1943, Treskow met for the first time a young staffer named Lieutenant Colonel Klaus von Stroffenberg. Severely wounded in North Africa, uh, Stroffenberg was a political conservative and a zealous german nationalist from 19 early 1942 he he had come to share two basic convictions with many military officers that germany was being led to disaster and that hitler's removal from power was necessary he decided that the fuhrer's assassination was a lesser moral evil than hitler's remaining in power Uh, i mean that's how you're justifying it right he's probably very similar to the millions of people he's killing yeah and but similar also to your your case where these guys are going I'm going to have this we're going to get rid of this guy right. for the greater good. Right, but but yeah. I mean, I he's, mean not Hitler, Hitler. Yeah, he's not Hitler. He's not Hitler. Hitler is like way and he was also sort of like against the whole fascist yeah. re- regimes and But stuff. I mean, I'm talking but, about the kidnappers, the mentality yeah, yeah. of like this idea. Right. It's just and I feel like all these kind of plots that went nowhere is like a it just reminds me of like Castro. Yes. I was you thinking know? about your story with Castro. Like, Remember the perfume and <laughs> yeah, the fucking like one thing so after fucking the good. next. They said they get his old girlfriend <laughs> yeah. to go back and visit him and, and then she, she's to like, like try to kill him. And she's like, fuck it. She falls back and she's fucking him. Like, what the hell? I mean, the FBI's like, God damn. She's scared. Yeah. <laughs> she's not scared of that. <laughs> <laughs> charming. Castro's fucking wow. charming. Hi. <laughs> Starfenberg brought. <laughs> <laughs> a new tone of decisiveness to the ranks of the resistance resistance movement. When Treskow was assigned to the Eastern Front, Stauffenberg took charge of planning and executing the assassinate assassin assassination attempt. The replacement army was an op was had an operational plan called Operation Valkyrie, which was to be used in the event that a disruption caused by the Allied bombing of German cities would cause a breakdown in law and order or an uprising by the millions of forced laborers from occupied countries now being used in German factories. Ulbricht suggested that the plan could be used to mobilize the reserve army for the purpose of a coup. In August and September 1943, Treschgau drafted the revised Valkyrie plan and new supplementary orders, which said, quote, uh, or which was, quote, a, declar- a secret declaration began with these words. The Fuhrer Ald- Adolf Hitler is dead. A treacherous group of party leaders has attempted to exploit the situation by attacking our embattled soldiers from the rear in order to seize power for themselves, end quote. So basically what was going to happen is they're going to, this little group, or it was kind of a big group, we're going to assassinate Adolf Hitler. And then because of the way they had all their communication set up, they were going to then tell all of his leaders that this the a small group of people that they were going to start arresting like adolf loyalists oh. were the ones who plotted to Ooh. kill him oh right and blame Ooh, it on this smart. other group yeah that's smart yeah so that's He's that was like seeds. it's They're like adolf is dead seeds. and these yeah seeds. these party leaders are the ones that did it right they were yeah. going to start spreading the, wow yeah 
I love this kind of stuff. Me too. Detailed instructions were written uh, for occupation of government ministries in Berlin, Heinrich, Hen- Heinrich Himmler's headquarters in East Prussia, radio stations and telephone offices, and other Nazi apparatus through military districts and concentration wow. camps. Wow. Yeah, they were set up. They were like wow. set up. All written but information. This is so strategic. I know. Love it. All written information was handled by Treschkow's wife, Erica, and by Margaret von Oven, his secretary. Both women wore gloves to avoid leaving fingerprints. Oh, wow. They thought about everything. I know. The first plan was to shoot him during dinner at the army base camp, but the plan was aborted because it was widely believed that Hitler wore a bulletproof vest. The conspirators also considered poisoning him, but that was not possible because his food was specially prepared and tasted. They concluded that a time bomb was the only option. Wow. Yeah. Da, 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 ta, da. Wait, no, sorry. What? I, sorry, I was just going to start singing no, something. Please. No. <laughs> We're about to blow okay. up Hitler. Let's so, talk about a song. So, <laughs> start singing. Wait. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, I love how this man has people taste his food. Like, mm. you know things are bad. Dude. When you have a person who has to taste, that person, imagine being the person who has to taste Hitler's food. Oh my God. It's probably uh, people they've pulled in from the the concentration camps. Yeah, like, here, eat this. Yeah. And then, like, they might die. Like, what? I wonder how long you have to wait, too. Yeah, doesn't his food get cold? Yeah. What's happening? What's he really like, I wonder? uh, I told you, he was a meth head. Probably super paranoid, too. (laughs) Super paranoid meth head. Who's like, what a try life. my food. And then he's got to eat everything cold five hours later because he's so paranoid. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That's, you know, I know I told, I know I, know, I, know I told this, this, um, this Ricky Gervais joke uh, the last time I'm talking about, um, the concentration camps, but then he did another joke that I thought was so funny on that comedians and cars getting coffee. He said, um, you know, say what you will about um, Hitler and Ava Braun. You know, they they spent their last night together. They get married in this bunker and they spend the night together. They get up in the morning. He makes her a cup of tea and he poisons <laughs> her. He goes, and then he shoots himself. He goes, say what you will, but that's a hell of a honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh my God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine this guy? He must have some dick. If he can convince this woman... <laughs> I don't think so. To I hang think, around. What's she doing there? I think she's scared out of her mind. Like, what oh. happens when you're like, oh, I'm casually dating this guy. Oh. And now we're kind of He's like. really sweet to yeah, me. Yeah, we're kind of like a thing. Oh, shit, he took over a country. Yeah. Like, how do you break Ava, up with Ava, who, who's your boyfriend? It's a secret. Yeah. How do you. He's so sweet to me, though. Oh, my God. It's uh, Hitler. You guys just have the wrong idea of him. Yeah, you don't. You just don't really know him like I do. Oh, my God. If you were to get to know him, you'd really like him. But how do you break up with that? I but are you Jewish? Because then you can't come. Yeah, but would, wouldn't you be scared to death to break up with like a, oh, an insane person? Yeah, you'd have to disappear. Person? You'd have to fucking yeah. run for your life. And where are you going? So she's probably like, well, shit, now I'm stuck with him. She probably could have gotten out of the country. I don't I know. know. Let's Who get knows? to it because Who there's knows? a part of this in here where kind of reminds me of like, if someone's trying to get out, you have to really, you know, the way communications move so quickly, you have to get out of this gate and that gate and that gate Ugh. before you can, you're, and people will stop you along the way. Like we're in a war. You know what I mean? Like checkpoints. Yeah. Okay. Jesus. So, uh, okay. So they wanted to do a time bomb. Operation Valkyrie could only be put into effect by General Frederick Fromm. 
commander of the reserve army. So he had to be either won over to the conspiracy or in some way neutralized that the plan was to succeed. So he didn't know what was going on, but they needed him to be involved. So by the summer of 1944, the Gestapo was closing in on the conspirators, right? So they know something's going on. When Stauffenberg sent Teschko a message asking where whether there was for any reason for trying to assassinate Hitler given no political purpose would be served. Treskow's response was, quote, the assassination must be attempted. Whatever the cost, even if it fails, we must take action in Berlin for the practical purpose no longer matters. What matters now is that the German resistance movement must take the plunge before the eyes of the world and of history. Compared to that, nothing else matters, end quote. Wow. Yeah. So on July 18th, rumors reached Stauffenberg that the Gestapo had knowledge of the conspiracy and that he might be arrested at any time. This was apparently not true, but there was a sense that the net was closing in and the next opportunity to kill Hitler must be taken because there might not be another. On the morning of Thursday, July 20th, Stauffenberg flew back to the Wolfschach, which is the wolf slayer, right, where Hitler hangs, for another Hitler military conference with a bomb in his briefcase. That's risky. At around 12.30 p.m. as the conference began, Stauffenberg asked to use a washroom, saying that he had no cha- he had to change his shirt, which indeed was soaked through his sweat. Because he's he scared was out of his mind. Get a bomb in his briefcase, bitch. My God. And the other thing with, with being Hitler at this time, who's already paranoid, he's paranoid. Yeah. But to, 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 he must, he can, you can't trust anybody. No. So imagine like living your life every day Paranoid. and you don't yeah. trust anybody. Yeah. It's, it's wild. I don't know how you, that's, that alone, like the anxiety, yeah. plus throw the meth on top. Jesus. The meth these is people, fucking wild. These people on, like, like around him must be like, oh God, is yeah. he going to think that I'm, you know, and yeah. then the people around him who might be loyal to him probably paranoid, like, oh my God, is he going to think that I'm betraying him? Yeah. Or, you know, like, every, what do you ooh, know? No, that's too much stress, man. They're assisted by von Heiften, which is another conspirator. He used pliers to crush the end of the pencil detonator inserted (gasps) into a one kilogram block of plastic explosive wrapped in brown paper. So he had to detonate it before he could go back into the Oh my God. So he's in the bathroom trying to put this together. Yeah, sweating through his fucking clothes. The pencil detonator consisted of a thin copper tube containing cubic chloride that would take about 10 minutes to silently eat <gasps> through the wire holding back the firing pin from the per- percussion cap what yeah it was so he had to do this and then he's got to get, get back in the room put it by hitler but then he's got to leave the room well <laughs> it was slow going due to war wounds that had cost Stauffenberg an eye his right hand and two fingers on his left hand this motherfucker gotten he's got this wait he's second. doing it like this no wait that's why he needs the assistant <laughs> he had no hand what? fuck he <laughs> got this is the best person for the job. It's like the Florida Democratic Party trying to put a, an assassination attempt together. Put somebody in there Why with no he- hands and no fingers and no eye. Oh my God. <laughs> Von Stauffenberg is the Florida Democratic Party. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad we can laugh now since we're losing all of our fucking rights. Okay, anyway. <laughs> this is so... And who are they trying to assassinate? All of us. All of oh us. Oh my God. Inter- interrupted by a guard knocking on the door, advising him that the meeting was about to begin. Oh, He's no. like fucking shaking. Oh, he no. was not able to prime the second bomb, which oh, gave which he no. gave to his aide. Right, so the second one's not. His aide, why is it the aide doing all of this? Help him <laughs> out, he got 10 minutes. I think he was helping him do the first one. <laughs> oh my God. Because he this has is no not, hand. Did they practice this? This is not... <laughs> 
This is okay. Not, hold this on. Is let's no get there. Let's get man. there. Stauffenberg <laughs> placed the single primed bomb inside his briefcase and entered the conference room containing Hitler and 20 officers, positioning the briefcase under the table near Hitler. After a few minutes, Stauffenberg received a planned telephone call and left the room. It is presumed that Colonel Heinz Brandt, who was sitting next to Hitler, used his foot to move the briefcase aside by pushing it behind the leg of the conference table because it was like in the way. Yeah. Because thus unwittingly deflecting the blast from Hitler, but causing the loss of one of his legs and his own demise when the bomb detonated. So he moved wow. it to get it out of the way. And then it, but it, I guess the wow. conference table was this, in the middle was one yeah. like large leg that kind oh of, my that God. kind of kept it from really doing any damage to Hitler. Bad luck, bad yeah. luck right there. Yeah. Um, at 12.42, the bomb detonated, demolishing the conference room and killing a stenographer in instantly. More than 20 people in the room were injured with three officers later dying. Hitler survived, as did everyone else who was shielded from the blast by the conference table leg. His trousers, uh. his trousers were singed and tattered and he suffered from a perforate, perforated eardrum, as did most of the other 24 people in the room. I've got a picture of his pants <laughs> for the story. <laughs> I don't know how this motherfucker survived this. Oh, is it just, is it all just Yes, it's like covered? ripped. Oh. They're like ripped pants. Yeah. Ooh. So Starfenberg, as soon as he takes that call, like takes the call, he fucking dips, right? And he right. starts running. So he was seen leaving the conference area building by Kurt Salterberg, a soldier on guard duty, who did not consider this out of the ordinary as attendants sometimes left documents right, in their car. So he's like, whatever. He, saw, he sees him leave, by. He then saw a massive cloud of smoke, wood splinters, and paper, and men being hurled through a window and Holy door. Holy shit. Starfenberg, upon witnessing the explosion and smoke, erroneously assumed that Hitler was dead. He then climbed into a staff car and, with his aide and managed to bluff his way through three checkpoints. Werner von Haften then tossed the second unprimed bomb into the forest as they made a dash for Rostenberg Airfield, reaching it before it could be realized that Starfenberg could be responsible for the explosion. If he would have had both those bombs yeah. in there, they, oh, they would have all been totally dead. i mean so, so the fact though that they were willing to kill a room full of people listen they're all hitler loyalists what are you gonna do right but they, they would it's for the greater good by one o'clock he was airborne so he got on a plane he was able God. to get out of there by the time stroffenberg's aircraft reached berlin about four o'clock general eric Felgebel, an officer of the wolf slayer who was in on the plot uh. had phoned the bender block their headquarters in berlin and told the plotters that hitler had survived the explosion uh. because at this point Imagine all of those phone call. calls had started happening where they're like hitler's dead hitler's dead hitler's dead and started to spread the word yeah so that they could start arresting these loyalists and blaming it on them right as a result, the plot to mobilize Operation Valkyrie would have no chance of succeeding once the officers of the reserve army knew that Hitler was alive. Can you imagine that phone call? Yeah. There was more confusion uh. when there was even more confusion when Strauffenberg's aircraft landed and he phoned from the airport to say that Hitler was in fact dead. Like he thought he died. <laughs> and they're like, bro, you're yeah. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> the plotters did not know whom to believe. Oh, Finally, no. at four o'clock, Ulbrich issued the orders for Operation Valkyrie to be mobilized. Oh, no. The facilitating uh, General Fromm, however, phoned Field Marshal Wilhelm Kietel at the Wolf Slayer and was assured that Hitler was alive. So Fromm was the one that they needed to stay on their side. But when he finds out that Hitler's still alive, he's like, fuck these guys. Yeah. Right? You guys couldn't, you didn't deliver. Yeah. He yeah. didn't deliver. This told Fromm that the plot had been traced to this headquarters. Oh, wait. Kietel demanded to know Stroffenberg's whereabouts because Stroffenberg had landed in Berlin, was going to that Bender block right. because that's where all of this stuff was going to start happening. So now Kietel wanted to know where the fuck is Stroffenberg. And that's why Fromm was like, uh-oh. 
Yeah. They're going to be coming here. I'm in trouble. Like, I could yeah, get in I trouble. I got to rat him out. Yeah. So Fromm replied that, that he thought Stauffenberg was with Hitler. <laughs> Ain't he with you? I thought he was at your meeting. What do you mean? Where is he? Trying to play dumb on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't know where he is. Wow. At 4.40, Stauffenberg and Heifton, the aide, arrived at Bender Block in Berlin. And Fromm, who was there, presumably trying to protect himself, changed sides and attempted to have Stauffenberg arrested. Oh, talk about every man for himself. Yeah. <laughs> Ulbrich and Stauffenberg restrained Fromm at gunpoint. And by this time, Himmler had taken charge of the situation and had issued orders countermandering Ulbrich's mobilization of Operation Valkyrie. So... In many places, the coup was going ahead, led, led by officers who believed that Hitler was dead. Oh, my God. City commandant and conspirator General Paul von Heiss ordered the Walker Battalion Grombusch Deutschland under the command of Major Otto Erst Riemer to secure the Wilmestraub <laughs> and arrest propaganda minister jo Joseph Goebbels. Oh, you know this guy. Yeah, Jesus. In Vienna, Prague, in Vienna, Prague, and many other places, troops occupied Nazi Party offices and arrested Gaultiers and SS officers. Mm. So part of their plan was going through. Okay, but it all kind of then falls apart. Around six ten, the commander of military district uh, Berlin, General Joachim von Kortzfleisch, who summoned, who was summoned to the Bender Block. Uh, which is in Berlin, he angrily refused Ulbricht's orders and kept shouting, the Führer is alive! The Führer is alive! <laughs> was He was arrested and held under guard. Uh, At 7 o'clock, Hitler was sufficiently recovered to make phone calls. Dang. He called Goebbels at the propaganda ministry and Goebbels arranged for Hitler to speak to Major Reamer, commander of the troops surrounding the military, the ministry. After assuring him that he was still alive, Hitler ordered Reamer to regain control of the situation in Berlin and Major Reamer ordered his troops to surround and seal off the Bender block, but not to <gasps> enter the building. So this is where all our dudes are yeah. inside this. Uh -oh. At eight o'clock, a furious Witzelben arrived at the Bender block and he, and had a bitter argument with Stauffenberg, who was still insisting that the coup go ahead. Weisselberg. I mean, what else are they going to do? Yeah, and so he left shortly afterwards, Weisselberg. And then around this time, the planned seizure of power in Paris was aborted when Field Marshal Gunther von Klug, who had recently been appointed commander-in-chief of the West, learned that Hitler was still alive. So now oh. they're all finding out, and they're all like, fuck like, it, I'm out, out, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. Oh, no. As Riemer regained control of the city and word spread that Hitler was still alive, the less resu resolute members of the conspiracy in Berlin began to change sides. Fromm was freed from his room, and fighting broke out in the bender block between officers supporting and opposing the coup. Stauffenberg was wounded after a shootout. After the fighting was still ongoing, Riemer and his forces arrived at the bender block, and the conspirators were overwhelmed and arrested. By 11 o'clock, Fromm and Reamer had regained control of the building. Perhaps hoping that a show of zealous loyalty would save him, Fromm convened an impromptu court-martial consisting of himself and sentenced Ulbrich, Stauffenberg, and Hafton and another officer, Ulbrich Mertz von Kornhelm, to death. Despite the protests from Reamer, who had been ordered to Hit by Hitler to arrest the conspirators, at 12.10 a.m. on July 21st, the four officers were executed in the courtyard wow. outside, possibly to prevent them from revealing Fromm's involvement. Wow. Right? Others would have been executed as well, but, 12, but at 12.30, Wolfen SS personnel led by Otto Scorzini arrived and further executions were forbidden. 
my God. Over the following weeks, Himmler's Gestapo, driven by a furious Hitler, rounded up nearly everyone who had the remotest connection with the plot. The discovery of letters and diaries in the homes and offices of those arrested revealed the plots of 1938, 1939, and 1943. And this led to further rounds of arrests, including that of Colonel General Franz Halder, who finished the war in a concentration camp under Himmler's new Spittenhoft, which was called blood guilt laws. Many relatives of the principal principal plotters were also arrested in the immediate aftermath of of the failed plot. More than 7,000 people were arrested and 4,980 people were executed. Wow. From finding all that information. And what a way to deter people from trying to do another coup. That's it. When it's like, well, it's not my life on the line. It's my family's life on the line. Yep, yep. Which would stop people. It would stop me. of course. Not all of them were connected with the plot since the Gestapo used the occasion to settle scores with many other people suspected of opposition sympathies. Um, Alphonse Heck, former Hitler youth member and a later, uh, later historian, describes the reaction many Germans felt to the punishment of the conspirators. Quote, when I heard that German officers had tried to kill Adolf Hitler, I was enraged. I fully concurred with the sentences imposed on them. Strangling, I felt, was too good for them. What? This was the time, precisely, when we were at a very precarious military situation and the only man who could possibly stave off disaster was adolf hitler oh my god that opinion was shared by many germans germans did not adore hitler who did not belong to the who did not belong to the hitler party end quote Wow. Allied radio stations were speculated on who the possible remaining suspects could be. Many of them were eventually implicated in the plot. Very few of the plotters tried to escape or to deny their guilt when arrested. Those who survived interrogation were given perfunctory trials before the people's court. Mm. That was always that always decided in favor of the prosecution. <laughs> the court's president, <laughs> Roland Fleisler, was a fanatical Nazi, wow. seen shouting furiously and insulted the accused in the trial, which was filmed for propaganda purposes. The plotters, like you're saying, like, look yeah. at what can happen to you. The plotters were stripped of their uniforms and given old shabby clothes to humiliate them for the cameras. The officers involved in the plot were tried before the court of military honor, a drumhead court martial that merely considered cons- considered that evidence furnished to it by the Gestapo before expelling the accused from the army in disgrace and handing them over to the people's court. The first trials were held on August 7th and 8th of 1944. Hitler had ordered that those found guilty could, should be hanged like cattle. Wow. Many people took their own lives prior to either their trial or their execution. Tresco killed himself the day after the failed plot by using a hand grenade in no man's land between Russian and German lines. Oh my God. Fabian von Schlaffendorf remembers Treskow saying the following before his death, quote, the whole world will vilify us now, but I am still totally convinced that we did the right thing. Hitler is the arch enemy, not only of Germany, but of the world. When in a few hours time, I go before God to account for what I have done and left undone. I know I will not be, I I know I will be able to justify what I did in the struggle against Hitler. Mm. None of us can bewail his own death. Those who consented to join our circle put on the robe of Nessus. A human being's moral integrity begins when he is prepared to sacrifice his life for his convictions. Beautiful. Fromm's attempt to win favor by executing Stroffenberg and others on the night of July 20th had merely exposed his own previous lack of action and apparent fa- a failure to report the plot. Having been, been arrested on July 21st, Fromm was con- later convicted and sentenced to death by the People's Court. Despite his knowledge of the conspiracy, his formal sentence changed him at, with poor, charged him with poor performance in his duties. Hitler personally commuted his sentence from the hanging to the more honorably 
honorable firing squad. Oh, okay. <laughs> as a result Dang. of the failed, yeah, as a result of the failed coup, every member of the war mock was re- required to re-swear his loyalty oath by name to Hitler on July 24th, 1944. The military salute was replaced throughout the armed forces with the Hitler salute in which the arm outstretched and the salute, salutation Ugh. Heil Hitler was given. God, how disgusting. <laughs> That's my wow. international story. It's great. And it's, you know, it's dangerous when you let Ooh. someone like that in power. Let's remember that when you think about putting the check next to DeSantis's name. Oh, God, for real. Ugh. Um, When you said something about a jet earlier, I wanted to tell you, I started watching this, this documentary on Netflix called... Uh, uh, Pepsi, where's my jet? Oh, I saw. Where's my I, jet? I Pepsi? saw that. I didn't. It's really good. I watched really the first good? episode. It's so fucking amazing. You have to watch it. Oh, I will. Have to I watch have it. Some time this week. Do it. And then also, um, you know, as always, from our first time we started recording, and you did a the very first like November Thanksgiving episode. T- Tina told us about what a Guinea Thanksgiving is. <laughs> And what that means for to, to be an Italian American yeah. and what that means for Thanksgiving and the food that's laid out. So yes. I'm going to replay that on, th- I'll put that back out on Thursday so you can hear Tina talk Aww. about what a full Guinea Thanksgiving Guinea is. Guinea Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, I'm doing Thanksgiving this year. Are you, are you doing the full? No, I am doing that in the past. And yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm going to do that, but I'm yeah. not going to do the past. Okay. It's too much. Right. But I'm doing the end of past and then I'll probably, you know, the fruit. And like the dessert, whatever. But um, the only part, and the, but I am, I'm hesitating. I think if I end up at Mimi's Ravioli and they have some like good, uh, like butternut squash ravioli, I might do a past. Oh my God. I Just might do, do the a whole past. Thing. I might do a past. Yeah. <laughs> a past. Uh, like a little bit. Yeah. Not a lot. And the bird. The birds. I'm doing the bird. Yeah. God help me. <laughs> Are you going to have a lot of people over? No, just my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, my sister-in-law, my mom and my dad, and then us. Yeah, lovely. Still, it's like 10 people. Yeah, that's lovely. (sighs) And they're all like, get a big bird, get a big bird. So I got a big bird. I'm like, what am I doing? How am I doing this? But um, I delegated. Oh, good. So I delegate. I said to my mother, like, you're doing this and this. I said to my mother-in-law, like, you guys are bringing that. And so, like, I'm really doing the bird. I'm going to do the anapasta. I'm going to do, like, a big anapasta thing. Yeah. Um, So I'm excited about doing the anapasta thing um, that I want to do. And then, um, you know, like, the potatoes. And everyone else is bringing other sides. Good. And and then I ordered a pie from, um, we have a friend, uh, Kelly Rabin, and her sister, Dale, does, uh, I think it's, like, delicious dale or yeah, yeah, yeah. or baked by i i think it's baked by me. dale baked by dale um and last year i ordered uh the pumpkin pie from her and i am doing it again this year so support local people <laughs> you know <laughs> so that's what i'm doing Very it's a good. lot it's too much but i'm keeping it oh and guess what i'm doing on wednesday what? i'm going to hamilton oh i'm so excited are you going alone? Um, no, I'm, my son and I are going. Oh, that'll be nice. Yeah, so for my birthday this year, 
I, I was just laughing about this with my husband um, when it was my birthday. He's like, oh, wait, I think your birthday's today. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, well, what do you want? And I was like, I already bought myself my birthday present. He's like, awesome, what'd you get? <laughs> and I was like, I got two tickets to Hamilton for um, my son and I to go. Oh. And because my oldest loves Hamilton. And I was like, oh, that'll be a fun. Yeah. Yeah, so that's Wednesday night. Oh, that's da, awesome. Da, 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 da. Like, I'm so excited. So fucking good. Yeah. So good. Yeah, so I thought that'll be a fun, yes. like, Yes, I love this. Yeah. Well, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy gobble gobble. Yes. I hope you all have a great Thanksgiving and enjoy the time with yes. your family. And, you know, we're in it now. We're in the holiday season. We're in it's the holiday here. season. It's here. I love yes. Thanksgiving. It's always been my favorite holiday. It is a good holiday. I mean... It, it's at the food. Yeah. I just like the food. Me too. So. Me too. I'm here for it. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, bye. Bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please go to our website, www.themuckpodcast.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast and on our Twitter at Muck Podcast. To support the Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support with exclusive content, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do this without you.